Greetings, friends, and welcome to this episode of the Communication Guru Podcast, where we believe it is not always what you say, but how you say it that matters the most. I'm your host, Tim McMurtry, President and CEO of Tim McMurtry International LLC, a business consultancy specializing in personal development and training, government and public affairs, along with corporate and community relations. I'm delighted to have you join us and I thank you for your listenership and viewership of this show. As you know, our aim on this platform is to discuss nuances and insights relative to the communication continuum to help you maximize the impact and results of effective communication within your own various spheres of influence, be it your business, your relationships, and or your workplace. We're here to help you become a top-notch communicator. So be sure to like, share, and subscribe to this podcast so you can be notified when new episodes are released and are available for consumption. During a previous podcast or episode, I should say, of this show, I discussed the battlefield of the mind. We talked about how we as human beings are three-part entities. We are a spirit. We have a soul. And we live in a body. You see, your spirit man is the life source for you. It is the entity or essence that provides life itself to you. We had talked about how if you go to a funeral and you look into the casket, you still see the physical body of the person who had recently passed. But what's missing from that individual is their life source, their spirit. In a similar fashion, we all are living spirits that have a soul and we live in a body. Second, your soul is the dwelling place of the mind, the seat of your emotions, the feelings and thoughts and intellect. It's where all of that mental minutia takes place. As such, we are to be mindful or it behooves us to be mindful and deliberate in how we care for that particular area because it plays such a vital role in our quality of life and or lack thereof. Finally, your body is your physical, muscular, and skeletal framework or earth suit that enables you to engage in this three-dimensional world from a physical perspective. When astronauts go into outer space, they have to put on a space suit because the atmosphere in space is different than what we have here in the earth realm. In a similar fashion, we have to have on our earth suit, which is our body, which is conducive to living, operating, and functioning in this particular capacity, in this realm. And so with all of that said, today I want to focus a bit more on the soul realm, that seat of the mind and the emotions and the intellect, because our emotions affect our communication, which in turn affects our outcomes in life. Furthermore, I want to provide tools to help us to control our emotions and communication related to them so that we are able to create the quality of life that we want to be, do, and to have. And so I wanted to kind of pick back up on that because we oftentimes are faced with a lot of things that are exterior to us. Challenges, the environment, maybe our childhood upbringing. And if you are an ethnic minority, we have the legacy and challenges of racism 
that have been in this country. And for women, they face sexism. So there are a lot of external things that we've had to confront and we typically have to deal with. And a lot of energy can be put into trying to remedy those exterior challenges. And sometimes that comes at the expense of us taking the time to delve into and dissect the mental challenges that are also hindrances to us, particularly in the realm of communication. And I want to kind of go into some of that today, because if we can master the battlefield of the mind, this exterior stuff, it won't be insurmountable. It's not a challenge. Matter of fact, the way we are made by our creator, he created us as creative beings. God created the heaven and earth. I'm a creationist. I'm a person of faith. I believe what the Bible says about creation and in God. So that is my philosophical bending that way. And so if he is the ultimate creator, he created us in his image and in his likeness. Image being kind of the personification, having emotions and different things like that. Likeness is functionality. We function like he does. When there was darkness upon the face of the earth, the Bible talks about the earth was out form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep. As the spirit moved first, then God said, what did he say? Let there be light or light be. Now, what he didn't do was say, man, it's dark in the mug out there. It sure is dark. Uh-uh. He said, light be. So what he connected his communication to was what he wanted to see in his life. In like fashion, our communication should be shot out of our mouths, first in our mind, then out of our mouths as arrows going to get and bring to us those things in life that we desire. Because of this, we have to be mindful of how we talk, not just to others, but how we talk to ourselves first, because that is our first audience, as we've covered in the previous episode as well. You are your first audience. So what we're saying to ourselves, what you're saying to yourself, what you're communicating to you, it ain't got nothing to do with me. What you saying to you when I ain't around, when your spouse ain't around, when your significant other ain't around, when your friends ain't around, when the boss ain't around, what are you saying when you are in the crevices of your own personal space? When it's just you, yourself, and you, what are you saying to yourself? That has a big impact on what you get in and out of life. I remember when I was a young kid, you know, I've tried to be kind of a little smart little guy because I noticed early on that if you were smart academically, I'll say it was an asset for you. Similar to like little kids or people that are good looking. If you're good looking, you know, pretty ladies, you know, a handsome man, they tend to get preferential treatment because humans are creatures of habit and we tend to gravitate towards certain things. Just like if somebody walks past and they smell good. Like, oh, wait, that smelled good. It does something physiologically to us. Anyway, so when you have a good looking person or let's say a rich person, Bible says wealth maketh many friends. So a person that's rich, everybody, hey, how you doing? What you doing? How you doing? Hey, won't want to be their friend. So there are certain characteristics that are germane to humanity. So I was a young kid and I noticed early on that if you were smart, Teachers will let you get away with a little bit more. You could be kind of talkative. You can be a little bit of a class clown or whatever, and you still would kind of get checked in, but they give you a little bit more leeway because at least you were handling your grade part. So I was one of them kind of kids. I talked a lot a little bit. So anyway, so I was kind of a talkative kind of a guy, not knowing that it was a gift. It was just part of my gift mix. It was part of my bundle of skill sets. And so if I wanted to have a conversation with somebody, I have a conversation with them. The teacher would say, hush. And I was kind of an obedient kid. I didn't like to get whoopings and stuff. So I would hush, but I might be talking and have to be told to hush. And so 
being one of the smarter kids, and I'm getting back to the mindset, and one of the things I want to talk about is confidence being a major attribute for us in being able to control our emotions. So the topic of today's show, I'm just talking so much I didn't even get a topic. Topic of today's show is Battle of the Mind, Volume 2, How Emotions Affect Communication. Again, Battlefield of the Mind, The Battlefield of the Mind, Volume 2, How Emotions Affect Communication. And what I want to dive into first is the role of confidence to a communicator. So as I was growing up in school, I was maybe about third or fourth grade, I was selected to be in a spelling bee at the school. And I had seen little spelling bees on television and stuff like that, but I was too young to really put the correlation between emotions and controlling your emotions and settling your mind and all that kind of stuff we get to find out as we get older, as we're going through our pursuits. And so I was a good speller, always got great grades in English. You know, you had the little reading test and the spelling test. We had to spell certain words, whatever. I always did excellent on those tests. And I was an avid reader, so I liked to read too. So I was straight. So I got into the spelling bee, was nominated, you know, a classmate's teacher because he's one of the little star students in this. Tim, you ought to do the spelling bee thing. So I didn't know that emotions can play a role when it's time for you to step up and get something done, though. And so when I got up there and I felt nervous, I was with the butterflies in the stomach and all that kind of stuff. And I saw the other kids go up. And at this time, they were, they'd ease you in. They weren't trying to mess you up. They start you out with some easy stuff to get your confidence going, and then they build up. So my first word, y'all, when I got to the stage, you know, third or fourth grade, got to the stage, next contestant, your word is trim. And I kind of froze. Trim, what is that? Remember a cartoon where the cartoon character is there and it's a cloud above their head and there's different things going through their mind. That was me in real life. Trim, what? I said, well, can you use it in a sentence? And the person said something, da, 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 the trim of the this. And I said, oh, okay, a still nervous. I said, trim, T-R-E-M, trim. And I could sense, particularly from my classmates, because that was their dude up there. That's Tim. That's that smart. That's Tim. He's smart. He be getting off. He go. He, he probably gonna win this whole thing. This was the first round, y'all. And I tricked, fumbled. Uh, it's incorrect. Sorry. Trim, T R I M. I'm like, what? Right. The trim of something. Trim something. Trim the edge off something. Trim. I got back to my seat, and one of the classmates, Lamar, I'm like, dude, what happened? I said, hey, man. I, I don't know. I just messed up. He was like, all you had to do was put an R in your name, Tim. I said, dang. So what happened? So my emotions got the best of me, and they disrupted my interpersonal or my inner communication with myself. So the reason why you want to be able to control your emotions is because they affect your communication, and your communication will affect your outcomes. So when you have your emotions and they got you feeling nervous and worried and pressed and distraught, you're going to have to control that because it will come out in your communication. Other examples are when you got the butterflies going on and your shortness of breath. And I was in a job interview some years ago with a major corporation here in the greater Milwaukee area. It's a multinational company, but they had their headquarters here, here in Milwaukee. 
And I did the resume, it was tight. And I got a chance to get the interview. You know, you did the phone interview first, then you come in person or whatever. And I came in there, and again, emotions getting the best of me. And like the first question the interviewer asked me, are you doing? Thanks for taking the time to meet with us. And I was like, I'm really, I'm really nervous. Just sounding almost like a scrub. And it was because, and I came there with the cachet to rock the job. But my emotions didn't let me communicate it in a way that was effective and winsome to the interviewer. So guess what happened? I didn't get that job. Because they're looking as an interviewer, okay, can this guy, does he have the chops? Can he be a troubleshooter? Can he communicate well? Can he do his thing? Can he be an asset to our organization? And if he's coming in all nervous, now I still had the talent, the skills, the goods to rock it, but it wasn't communicated in that moment in time in the best way. Why? Because my emotions were getting the best of me and I didn't control them such that they did not adversely impact my communication or my communicative patterns and exchange. So controlling your emotions is vital to your communication. Some of the additional effects that emotional distress has on your communication platform or how you do your communication is it has you breathing funny. It has you thinking funny. It clouds your mind. So what you want to be able to do is say, hey, I'm going to make a pact with myself to only be confident. And if I have to pull on courage, there's a distinction between confidence and courage. Confidence is knowing that you can rock something wherever it needs to be rocked. You can drop me in the middle of the moon. I'm still going to be able to do this thing that I do because I'm confident in that. Courage, on the other hand, is you having the willingness to still move forward even if there is a hint of trepidation within you. So sometimes to get to the level of confidence, you have to exercise some courage. Let me give you one more example of the difference that demonstrates, I should say, the difference between nervous emotions and confident emotions. I was filling in for, I have a background in government, and I was a chief of staff for a former city council president here in Milwaukee. And there was a grand opening of a new school in the district that we represented. And he was unable to attend due to a prior commitment, so I had to go and speak on his behalf. And there were a number of other dignitaries there because this was opening up school. It was a big deal. You had corporation executives that were there nearby, organizations that were near to the school in that same kind of vicinity kind of coming. And there were about, I want to say, seven to ten speakers. And I was like fifth or sixth on the dais to go up and speak. And, you know, by this time, I had some speaking up under my belt, I had confidence. I had learned that, hey, even if you have some emotions before you go on or if you have some concern about public speaking, there are different tricks to the trade that you can do to calm that. One is you can say to yourself, instead of, I'm so nervous, you can say, man, I'm excited. Woo, I'm excited about this opportunity. So words matter. So you can say to yourself, you're excited versus I'm nervous. Number two, to help with that breathing piece, you can take deep breaths, at least three, to make sure that your breathing is regulated so you can remain in a relaxed state. If you're in a relaxed state, you flow a bit more naturally. It's when you're nervous and amped up 
that you short circuit your preparation and your natural flow and you begin to kind of panic. And then number three, if you have your things prepared, you know you're going to rock and roll because you prepared beforehand. And so by this time, I had grown in my maturity in those areas. So make a short story shorter, I got a chance to speak at this school grand opening. I mean, it was a big deal. I mean, they had a marching band with the drum line and having streamers and cheerleaders and pump. I mean, it was bumping. And so by the time I got up, as a father, the bit that I took with my presentation had to do with a fatherly kind of a deal because the students were there and it was a K through eighth grade school. And I wanted to focus my words in a way to give encouragement to the kids from a fatherly perspective. And so I, I did that and did a great job. I had to stop three separate times because I got some ovations based on what I was saying. But it all started with the fact that I came into the mix with a confidence. I was impressed that it was some CEOs and other executives that were also speaking. I didn't say, well, man, I'm just filling in for the council president. It's just little old me here with all these other big wigs. Uh-uh, I'm a big wig too. I'm here. When I get the mic, I'm going to drop the mic on you jokers. That's attitude. That's confidence. And that will be exuded in how you show up and how you come to the table. And other people can feel that energy and feed off of it. And as you're operating in that confidence in your communication, as you're going through the facilitation of communication with confidence, it's almost as if a superpower rises up in you as you're speaking, okay? It's called the anointing. It will rise up in you and you will be able to flow. I mean, you have people like, let's say, Michael Jackson and Beyonce will often say that once they hit the stage, I think Michael Jordan too, when he gets on the court, they say when they get on the stage, when they get to do their thing, they say stuff like, I seem to have become another person. It's like something else overtakes me in that moment. And once I'm off stage, I'm back to being, quote unquote, a regular human. You know what I'm saying? What that is, is that they are in the groove of their genius. Everybody was created to do something. One, if you can discover that something and put some practice to it, you will be able to do that something with confidence. And as you're doing it with confidence, there is a flow of energy, a flow of spirit, a flow of anointing that will overtake you and help you do that thing good in the midst of you doing it. But you have to first start off with, this what I do. I do this better than anybody that do this thing. And you have to talk to yourself like that because your emotions can get the best of you only if you let them. You control your emotions. They don't have to control you. So my point is, is that confidence is one of the major attributes that you need to practice, grow, nurture, fortify within yourself for effective communication. So when you're in those meetings at your business or in your workplace or wherever you are, at your place of worship, when it's your turn to talk, you ain't freaking out. Because you have something to deliver. You have something to deposit to the audience. When you're talking to your spouse about, let's say, a difficult situation that you would rather not talk about, you can still approach that with confidence. And with that confidence, it'll help ensure that your messaging gets out in the best possible way with regards to delivery so that there is a clear comprehension of what is both being communicated and what is being received. You're responsible for that. So what are some of the ways you can calm that mental anguish? 
Number one, you can establish a mental conversation or language mix that you have with yourself. And what I mean by this, I'm talking about being super practical. Say, okay, I'm only going to say certain kind of things to myself. Certain things I ain't going to allow to say to myself. I'm just so this, or I'm just so, man, seem like I'm just... I don't even let negative words come out of my mouth about me because words have power. Your words are your construction workers to your life. Let me give you an example. (laughs) Simple example. When a person, let's say you got a dog and you want the dog to come to you, you say, Rover, come here. What Rover do? Rover comes on over to you at the command of your words. What that means is what your words say that's what you would have in life. Going back to that example about God, he didn't say, well, show his archer. He said, light come, or light be, let there be light. Light came. We are made in his image and in his likeness. Communication is supposed to be used as a tool of creativity for us, not one of destruction. So when you're talking even to kids, be mindful of how you talk to your, you ain't nothing but, hold on, hold on, hold on, don't say that. Why? Because you're planting seeds with them that's going to harvest somewhere down the line. Anyway, so establish a certain level, a standard of how you talk to yourself. And when you catch yourself saying something negative, stop. I retract that. I take that back. Let me finesse that in a different kind of a way. Okay? There was a guy who was talking about his wife. She was looking for a job. They were at a time in the location that they were living in that it was kind of economic recession going on. And it wasn't a whole lot of jobs apparently available, but they were exercising this principle of only saying what they desired, okay? And what this does is it brings into manifestation those things for you because all of creation is already created. Heaven and earth was created. I was said after six days, God said it's done. So everything is already out there in the ether, in the universe, if you will. It's just your revelation of the manifestation of it that will let you know what portion of it that you get. And if you don't exercise certain tools to use to your advantage, you might miss out on stuff that was already ordained for you to have. But you didn't receive it. So you didn't get it. So we're trying to get all that belongs to us. Give it here, give it here, give it here right now. So the guy said that his wife, and I'm saying this to encourage you to whatever you have to do to create language that will not be negative about yourself, do it. So the lady was looking for a job. She put in an application. And before she did that, he said, tell you what we're going to do. We're going to get some cue cards, some five by seven postcard thingies. And we're going to write down the kind of job you want, the different perks you want, all of this stuff. They were writing it and they were trying to plant a seed of communication first within their imagination and mindset and that they could also use as a guide to what they would be saying about what they wanted to manifest. So she put down, I want a company car, want the job to be within 10 minutes of the house, I want this amount for salary, blah, blah, blah. And so a few days after doing that, one of their friends came by and said, hey, Miss Linda, that's not her name, but using that for the purpose of this example. Hey, Miss Linda, you're looking for a job. You, You get your job yet? Now, she hadn't got physically any one of the companies that she had applied to call her back and say, hey, we're going to offer you the job. But she was saying, this is what I have. I got a job. We got this. I pay this much. Da, 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 da. She said, yeah. He said, oh, okay, good. Congratulations. Where is it? Where the job at? She said, I don't know where it is. 
but I got it. <laughs> what was that? That was her being deliberate and intentional and creative in ensuring that whatever word she said fit what she desired and not fit what she did not want. So that's what we all have to do as well. We have to communicate to ourselves in a way that lets us know, hey, I'm only going to speak positive about myself. I'm only going to have words. I'm only going to communicate with myself in words that are geared toward what I desire. Why? Because they have a way of manifesting what you say. They are the construction workers. They go out and get what it is you're saying. It's a cosmic law, man. You ain't got to like it or agree with it. That's how it is. Think Henry Ford, Model T guy. You know Henry Ford, the legendary entrepreneur and businessman. He said, whether you think you can or think you can't, you're correct. That's the power This mental thing and what you're saying to yourself, I can't do this. Okay, you can't then. I can do this. You can then. You determine that. Last couple pieces, I'm going to wrap this up. So establish a standard mental conversation or language mix. Make a pact with yourself. There's only certain words you're going to say to yourself, certain kinds of phrases you're going to say to yourself, and all of them are going to be positive, uplifting, and geared toward your desires and no negative, self-defeating talk. You don't do that no more. From this day forward, that's a thing of the past for you. Today is the first day of the rest of your life, and for the rest of your life, you're only going to speak words of affirmation and words that bring or are geared toward you getting in your life what it is you want. Hmm. Number two, along this same line, if you feel yourself getting emotionally overwhelmed, you're going to stop and gather your thoughts. These are practical, practical things. Because all this stuff isn't just theoretical mumbo-jumbo. Uh-uh, you got to do some stuff. Okay, first, I got to do this. Two, I got to do this. Three, I got to do this. Four, I got to do this. And it has to be every day and continual. When I was graduating from college, I had a meandering kind of a college journey. Started off at Hampton University in HBCU, or Historically Black College University in Hampton, Virginia, about two hours south of Washington, D.C., uh, right there on the Chesapeake Bay. Beautiful campus. Great time. I was an electrical engineering major. I ended up transferring to the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee and UWM and graduated there with a bachelor's in, in communication. So there, though, was a meandering road. Took me 15 years, okay? That's a decade plus five on the year tip to get the degree. And part of it was, well, they say, you know, life happens. The other part of it was is that I didn't take control of mindset and having that connection between mindset and communication. What you're saying to yourself sir. And I got hip to that. So as I was doing this, let me tell you the power of this. I'm going to wrap it up with this. The power of taking control of your emotions and talking to yourself only in affirmative words, what it does, it, it helps other things manifest that you can't manufacture any other way. So in my last year, so I've been doing this 15 years off and on, take a couple semesters off, Got married, you know, had a family now and wasn't the traditional college student anymore. I'm in my 20s, mid to late 20s and not the little 18, 19 year old whippersnapper anymore. I mean, I'm a grown man with a job and a wife and a child. Okay. 
And so I still wanted to finish school, though, because I started it and I wanted to finish. I changed my major from electrical engineering to communications. And it just it wasn't necessarily an easy road. But so what? I'm finishing and I'm winning because I'm a winner. So in the last semester, I had got to the point where I had all my credits, my mandatory classes, my required classes. And now all I had was a few more electives to knock out. But because I was working full time, I could only go to school at night. This was before all the online stuff. You can do all that. There was limited online offerings at this time. This was the early 2000s. And so I'm doing this. And I remember taking my wife to her OBGYN. She had to get a check when she was pregnant with our second child. And the semester starts September, ends in December. I was set to graduate in December. Now, I told you, this is 15 years. I got a 15-year meandering journey, the ups and downs and sideways and diagonalities. I can see the finish line now. It's September. We go to this doctor's office. This is a doctor didn't play. Dr. James. Hey, Dr. James. Shout out Dr. James. She wasn't no joke. Didn't really smile that much. When she talked real calm, it's going to be this. It's going to be that. Da, 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 da. She was like E.F. Hutton when she talked, people listen. Anyway, so she was doing her thing and told my wife at this meeting in September. Now, the semester just started. I'm just maybe one or two days in school. My last one, the last lap. I got the anchor leg, got the baton. I'm ready to do a Usain boat to the finish line. She says, well, Cheryl, it looks like by the positioning of the baby, she was some months pregnant. I don't know, five, four or five months pregnant or whatever at this time. I'm going to have to put you on bed rest. And you got restricted activity because I don't want the baby to come out prematurely. I mean, so we got a for real situation. Something you can't just blow off. This is a day of life. The mama, my wife, pregnant, the baby, potential jeopardy. So this is a serious thing. So I'm thinking, I'm not stopping. I'm thinking this in the doctor's office as I'm hearing this news. And, you know, my wife was, but my husband has to finish his last semester and he... Dr. James wasn't hearing none of that. Well, you're going to have to take off a semester. And I'm thinking, what you talking about, Willis? Well, uh-uh, I'm finishing this. Anyway, I'm working. We got another son. My son at this time is like four years old. My daughter, Layla, is the one that's in the womb at this particular time. And so I'm thinking to myself, what am I going to do? I'm working full time. So I'm like, whatever I got to do, I'm going to do it. So I would get up, go to work come back home on lunch break, take Josh to school. He was like in K-4 or whatever at the time. Take him to school, go back to work, leave work, go to class. Leave work, go back and pick him up, take him back to the crib, then go to class. After class, got to do homework, rinse and repeat, do that all again. So about, I don't know, toward the end of September, it was starting to wear and tear on me a little bit. And I remember walking across the campus And just thinking about, I'm so close, and if I got to stop, and I got to make it, I got to this, there was some mental anguish that was building up in my mind. And to the point to where I remember walking across the Golden Meyer Library in the center of the campus, on UWM's campus, I was walking on the terrace area of the Golden Meyer Library. And I remember thinking to myself, oh, I see how people have nervous breakdowns. Because the pressure was mounting of all of this stuff I was trying to do. But what I wasn't tempering it with was inner communication of, I got this, I have a plan, whatever. I hadn't created any language. So as I felt this attack of almost mental breakdown coming, I stopped in my tracks. Like frozen tag, you used to play as a kid. Frozen, I just stopped. And I said, Lord, 
You told me to be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, make my request be made known to God. I want to finish this semester and I want to do it with peace and not tripping. So help me heal my mind right now. I said right there on the campus, it was, I felt a nervous breakdown coming. And as soon as I said that prayer, he stepped in. Okay, now check this out. That's only part of the story. Here go the bigger part of the story. So my sister-in-law, my wife is from Chicago, her and her family. My sister-in-law at this time was living in Kansas City. She had come to Milwaukee one time up to this point and told my sister she'll never come back because she didn't like Milwaukee. She hated me from Chicago with no comparison, blah, blah, blah. So without me saying nothing to anybody but God at this particular time, like either the next day after this almost nervous breakdown or the second day after it, my sister-in-law calls the house calls my wife and said, hey, you know, I was thinking, and again, this is the early 2000s, so this is before all this remote work and all the COVID stuff, you're working remote from home, this, that was rare. She said, I was just thinking, with you being on bed rest and Tim finishing up his schooling, I think I'm going to put in a request. At the time, she was working for Hallmark Cards at the time. I'm putting in a request to see if I can work remotely from Milwaukee. Come to Milwaukee, stay with you guys until he finishes school or until you had a baby or whatever so he doesn't have to come out of school or drop out this semester. I know he's really been wanting to do this. Now, I didn't tell her that. What it was was the communication inwardly that took control over the emotions. It birthed a manifestation of something bigger. I'm going to go ahead and say, hey, man, it moved God to the point, okay, this joker is determined to finish this. Let me get him the help he needs. So what's my point to you? My point to you is, is that as you are going through emotional anguish, stop and kill that noise. And you can kill it through inner speech, inner communication that you speak affirmatively, authoritatively to yourself. And what it will force into manifestation is other things, a bridge of incidents that will happen that will work in your favor to get you to your expected end. It start with you, though, what you're saying to yourself and what you're putting out here in the atmosphere. So the battlefield of the mind, how your emotions affect your communication. Remember, you are in control of your emotions. They don't control you. Well, ooh, I got some more to say, but I'm going to wrap this on up here. So thank you so much. I hope this was helpful to you in some kind of way. Thank you so much for listening today. Remember to like and share, subscribe to the podcast. You can also be on the lookout for the Morning Timspiration vlog, which are inspirational words of encouragement, insights that I give on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn, because sometimes throughout the day, you need to get some wind behind yourselves. You need an attaboy or an girl, And the perfect word at the right time does a lot to do that for you. And then finally, if you have a communication issue that you may need assistance with, be it personal, professional, organizational, relational, what have you, feel free to drop me a line and we can do an exploratory call, info session, a discovery session, you know, with you. You can send me a line to Tim at Tim McMurtry International.com. Tim at Tim McMurtry International.com. Man, I so enjoyed today's episode as I do all of them. And just be on the lookout and drop me a line if need be. 
And thanks so much again for listening and viewing. Until next time, blessing and increase to you. Bam.